The Rock snitches, Bruce Campbell goes medieval, and Will Ferrell starts a frat this week on 30 Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a lovely little journey, a jaunt, I'll say, this week, uh, 30, 20, and 10 years ago into our pop culture past. A little bit of news, but mostly movies, TV, music, video games, and more. We'll tell you what all the cool milestones and anniversary from 30, 20, and 10 years ago, and I think... Eh, each segment's got a little bit of a banger in it. It really does. I uh, can't wait to tell you more. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I'm constantly asking, what the hell am I doing here? I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Yes, you do, Doc. <laughs> I'm J.R. Rawls, and Klaatu Barada <laughs> Necktie. Necktie, yes. <laughs> Nickel. Man, that Noodle. is... It's an N-word. It's definitely an N-word. All right. No, no. I saw that backfire in you people the other day. Okay. Welcome to 30 2010. So, so. Oh, almost a spit take from JR. Nice. It was. Oh, <laughs> so many fun things to talk about. 30, 20, and 10 years ago, we're recording from February 17th through the 23rd in 1993, 2003, and 2013. Get it? 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Stick with us. Want to thank right off the bat our patrons at patreon.com slash later time. Diana joined us for a... Uh, 80s in-depth classic corner thingy for King of Comedy. Like, it's just one of the best... Spoilers! Yeah, one of the mo- one of the best, <laughs> but one of the best, like, previously unsung movies that is now finally, like, registering as a Stone Cold classic and one of De Niro's best performances. Should be quoted more. Ma, please! I saw it for the first time, listeners, and if you haven't, watch it and then listen to our podcast. Yeah, because man. it is a hell of a film yes it is a compliment to joker if you like that film anyway let's get back into the 30 20 10 years ago starting as we always do in 1993 uh february 7th heat through the 23rd that period uh, a little bit of news to bring you to the wonderful world of uh, 30 years ago india complete a 3-0 series drubbing of the english in cricket uh the guardian article said defeated was the attributed to smog chinese prawns stubble uzbekistani pilots Graham Gooch's marriage and occasionally England's inability to bowl or play spin. Is this one of those games that went like, I didn't understand half of that. Okay. I read an entire article about this and there was a lot of cricket terminology that I just did not understand, but it sounds like it was a legendary disaster where the English teams got to come over and they play all the different Indian teams all over the place. And yeah, cricket games go like a couple days and I don't understand. There was also a pilot strike going on. So they had to take these super crowded Indian trains everywhere. Hell yeah. Ooh, I've ridden on a super crowded (laughs) Indian train and it is not conductive to being at your top form after riding Mm. it. It is, it's an experience people. That's why I always ride on the outside. Uh, yeah, there was stuff about like the people didn't have their uniforms and then a bunch of people all got sick because they thought it was the prawns, but it might've been something else. There was, they did finally get a flight where they brought in a Uzbekistani pilot and there was something about like, they almost crashed. And then he, when the plane stopped, he got on the radio and said like, God just saved all our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Article was great. Yeah. If you just look uh, so much of the terminology, I didn't understand, but the, being a, an Uzbekistani pilot telling you that God just saved your lives because all the hydraulics just broke in the plane. I can relate to 
that that I understand. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So apparently, um, it's something well remembered. The, the English I, cricket team got absolutely demolished by India. And it was just like well, you should make a movie about, out of it. It sounds like a disaster. I have had to tear down two satellite dishes because I've moved into places. One person I knew well, one person I didn't. Two Indian fans of crickets that install satellite dishes just so they can watch those day-long game. Good Lord. Anyway, uh, you know what else I read this week? Rolling Stone, a reader poll. You uh, 2 is Rolling Stone's reader's favorite band. Oct- yeah, I think it's so. Baby <laughs> 30 years ago. So there's a little bit of double shot of news for you before we jump into the movies of 1993, February 17th through the 23rd. <gasps> Groundhog Day is still number one at the box office. If you didn't listen to last week's episode... We have nothing but effusive praise to throw all over Groundhog Day. It might be like the the, the kindest we've ever been to a film, and I don't regret it even slightly. It was awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. It was great, and I apologize for the running gag of not playing any of the music. That was <laughs> no, JR's that, idea. Yep, I forced it on everyone. I you know I, and, I promised I was gonna get a groundhog to drive a truck off a cliff if they didn't do it, and and they yeah. agreed. <laughs> I, I care about groundhogs. I love them. So, yeah, we did get some messages of people thinking, like, did something go wrong with, like, music rights? Like, why are I you was le- legit shocked. Over and over? People not getting a Groundhog Day reference. Like, I very rarely, I almost want to say shame on you. Like, how could you not get, if you've seen that movie, you would know the joke. So we are going to play most of the music we promised to play uh, this episode, except for in 93, because we have some all timers. So sorry, we'll get to them some other. I also want to play Ordinary World by Duran Duran, maybe next week. Oh, it's so good. Uh, And then uh, the movies, Groundhog Day, number one, some new competition, barely. Dennis Haysbert and Michelle Pfeiffer in Love Field. Ugh. Yeah, I remember this as being, oh, it's about the Kennedy assassination, what? but it's actually about racism. Like Michelle Pfeiffer is uh, really wants to see JFK. He's she's in Dallas in 63. And then uh, spoiler alert, he was assassinated. And then <laughs> she is like, well, I want to go to the funeral. So she gets on a bus to go from Texas to Washington. And she's on there with um, Dennis Haysbert and some black folks and learns that, oh, they're treated very badly in this nation of ours. Had no idea. It just took the death of a president and the all-state guy. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like, she got an Oscar nomination for the performance because Michelle Pfeiffer's just always good, but it sounds like the movie is not held up. I remember seeing it way the hell back in the day, and um, I just remember her being good in it. But yeah, it's nice Mm. to see movies about people getting outside their bubble and realizing, oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, maybe this country isn't Camelot. (laughs) And uh, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer getting an Oscar nomination. And I'm really crossing my fingers she shows up in that Flash movie because I believe she had one life left in Batman Returns. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Cat has nine. Anyway, moving on. The other movie out this week, Steven Weber, Oliver Platt, Dwight Schultz, Fade Unaway, Laura Flynn Boyle and Timothy Hutton in The Temp. Oh, I'm so disappointed by this movie. This could have been an amazing satire because the original idea was kind of like, what if working girl, but evil, like make it solid, like a, like a black comedy about someone doing horrible things to get ahead in corporate America. Fertile ground, fucking go for it. And instead, they kind of turned it into a hand that rocks the cradle kind of secretary from hell thriller. Oh. 
and the there was a lot of tampering. There was apparently the ending was uh, a bit too violent, and so they had to change it. Yeah, that's it, it's everyone involved says like, yeah, the studio fucked with it and turned it into something it wasn't. Just a straight up thriller instead of yeah, guy gets a temp secretary and um, she becomes fixated on him, and then she starts killing people so he can move up the cl- corporate ladder. I'm sure that's no a one. Great idea. Nobody will make the connection. I'm sure. I think the crimes on these two floors are related. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So. uh, Did not see that movie, and I just wanted to get it out of the way for the coolest show in time. In Beth Davids and Bruce, the Chin Campbell in Army of Darkness is out this week. Ash took a weekend trip (laughs) through time. To the pit with him. He was trapped. Oh, that's gonna hurt. And kidnapped. But they couldn't make him join. How do you stop it? The Army of Darkness. From the director of Darkman comes Army of Darkness. Rated R. So, so crazy. And can and here here's is, here's my shit. Evil Dead, the weirdest series of all time. Yes, because they show the beginning of Evil Dead in three movies. <laughs> yes, they they filmed the same scenes three times, three times, thrice, <laughs> thrice, thrice, and and I just want to say, I didn't know what Army of Darkness was when it came out, and I remember, nope, yep, my friends describing seeing the TV spot, and it wasn't because this looks great, but they were like, "There's this super stupid movie." And I remember, you know, we'd be playing basketball and make fun of the movie by saying, give me some sugar, baby, because we thought it was cheesy because we had no idea of the legacy of Evil Dead at this point. And we were not alone because the movie fared very poorly. Well, the studio fucked with them because it's a new distributor picking up the Evil Dead stuff. Sam Raimi's coming off of Darkman, which was low budget, made its money back. Pretty, pretty respectable. And so it's like, okay, well, we'll we'll give this a try. And uh, coming up to, with the money was really tough. Where it's like he's splitting the rights with the you know Universal and De Laurentiis, and like no one's coughing up enough money. And they didn't want people to be scared off by thinking it's part three of a trilogy. So mm-hmm. the, sometimes it's called Evil Dead Three: Army of Darkness. Sometimes it's called Army of Darkness: Evil Dead Three. Why they didn't go with the original title, Medieval Dead? Yeah. I don't understand. Uh, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't see, make I, any sense. I would have gone with Ash versus the Evil Dead because the, then you're setting up Ash as the star for future movies. Yeah, but if, I don't know who Ash is if I'm just walking yet. into this. Yeah. Yet. Okay. Yet. Okay. So, uh, Chris, you and I had diametrically different experience with this because I did not think this was cheesy at all. I thought this was the most coolest thing oh, I did, yeah. ever. I didn't see. I did not see this until high school. Okay, and, and and I started with Evil Dead, the first one, and I've always been like, I don't get it. This is just like a cheat. And then I see Evil Dead Two, I'm like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> and 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 it's 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 symbolic of the tragedy that has just consistently befallen this lovely little franchise. Because in the circles we run now, everybody's heard of this film. Everybody loves these films. And I'm I'm trying to look like, well, how much money did this make? And it's like this grossed. Evil Dead 2 made $5 million at the box office. And like, I've seen Evil Dead in the movie theater like 12 times. 
<laughs> there has to be some. That movie has been released on DVD 750 times. Army of Darkness got a home video release. It has to be this thing that makes money outside of the traditional box office system. But because of that, it's this little, it's this thing all my friends know about, but struggles to exist. And now it's, it's over. There, it's a there's cult, a great, baby. There's a great story about that. Uh, the studio, uh, after Army of Darkness had been on VHS for a long time, uh, they called up Sam Raimi and they were like, I, we have no idea why, but this Army of Darkness <laughs> film is doing pretty good on video. Mm-hmm. I, I think we should make uh, Army of Darkness 2 for direct-to-video. And as Sam Rainey is talking to this guy, he realizes that he has no idea Evil Dead 1 and 2 exist. To him, <laughs> he only thought Army of Darkness wow. was a standalone film because the studio did not get it. Which, to be fair... This is a weird thing. It is okay. A very I weird know thing. really weird. So weird. I know Army of Dead Two ended with Ash going to medieval times. Yes, that's the canonical ending. It's still really weird to go from a tight, contained, stuck in a cabin in the woods horror movie where the guy is the final girl. Okay, mm-hmm. and then the next film, it's a medieval epic. That's that starring a goofball who likes Three Stooges slapstick. Yes. Yeah. That's... And he also he, he undergoes a kind of a personality change though too. Oh, it's yeah. like yeah, I and I was listening to a podcast talking about it's like the best explanation is he's gone insane. Yes. <laughs> and that's why he's so different because he is so sick of dealing with monsters that he is just become he an snapped. asshole. He has been tortured throughout two movies. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, hey, hey, you know what kids like? Kids like medieval fantasy. And they also like cartoons, and they also like the three. Sto- Let's just make a Three Stooges movie, but also it happens to be a horror. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's a big studio stepping in to finance and distribute a third movie, and they clearly don't understand the first two at all, and and don't I think legally have any rights to them. Nope. So, so it's yeah. I, I can only think of like when Universal did this with Serenity, like kind of what were you thinking? Like you don't own this and like, you're going to have to keep licensing this forever. And this has to make all the money in the world to be worth your time. And it's strangely Dino De Laurentiis is the reason why this happened. Just because Sam Raimi had just made, Dark Man made crazy money. Remember, sorry, JR and I and the other uh, 80s and death guys have been talking about Superman. Those are $100 million movies in like the late 70s. Dark Man was $10 million, and they basically made a respectable Batman, cl- a great, great film for $10 yeah. million, and it quintupled its budget. So like, yeah, why not give this guy a shot? Did R-rated genre fans seem to, seem to dig him? Uh, I still can't believe it happened. It seems unbelievable <laughs> that this happened. Every- Everything about this is unbelievable. The fact that they're like, yeah, let's make a third one, but it's not really like the second one or the first one. Each movie is so radically different from the other ones. Ray Harryhausen will do stop motion effects. We'll make it. Is this his last work? No, I don't think so. No. Yeah, we we will make it all with stop motion effects and this rear projection system that is like 80% of the movie are is this bizarre rear projection process shot thing and a fucking ton of stop motion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time I saw this yeah. much stop motion. Well, that's because Jurassic Park is up on the train station. Wow. I didn't hurtling towards coming. us right now. You... This is like 
peak pre-CGI because they yeah. are using every pre-CGI trick in this film you can name. And yeah. it has a charm that I adore uh, and I think holds up better than CGI for the next 20 years. Yeah. I'm not going to say CGI today is worse than this because it's not. But about twenty years worth of CGI is generally worse than what you see. In no, and it it, it but, adds it adds to the like the level of like madcap cartoonish fun because it's mm-hmm. half a cartoon anyway. It, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. And Bruce Campbell doesn't get enough credit for what an incredible performance he's giving yeah. this because he's acting against stop motion. And what they had to do is they were shouting, "Bruce, do number thirty-seven, number forty-three, number twenty-seven." And then he would have to do these actions at the exact right millisecond, acting against the rear projection screen, yeah. while acting against five other performances that he did himself with those little "I'm little Ash." Yeah, it's it's absolutely, <laughs> and, and it, you know, he got hurt a ton. I think he had to get plastic surgery because of one of the injuries. Like, it, 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 Bruce Campbell's an actor a good actor, but I don't think he'd ever done anything on this scale before. Cause he's no. basically like Jackie Chan meets Bob Hoskins and who framed Roger rabbit. And <laughs> it's, <laughs> but this is my favorite ash. I've seen evil dead one and two. And that's a, that's a fine ash. But to me, this is the ash I know and love. This is the complete goofball loser who brags about working at his job at not Kmart at, at S Mart. And everyone, everything that comes out of his life is the most stupidest thing that nevertheless is an amazing pop cultural catchphrase. Okay, I uh, use some dad points to watch this with my 10 year old son. It's a little mature for him, but mom was out of town and we uh, we watched it and he was blown away. He was cracking up at every single Ash line, every goofball line. And I was so thrilled that apparently we both have the exact same favorite line of all time because this is the line that he just lost it at. He could not stop laughing for like a minute and a half after this happened. You, sir, are not one of my vassals. Who are you? Who wants to know? I am Henry the Red, Duke of Shale, Lord of the Northlands and leader of its peoples. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Fancy Pants. I love that line, too. And I've used it a couple times in real life. Oh, really? Well, to me, you're king of Jack and shit. And Jack left town. (laughs) Yeah, there, there, there are two movies in uh, in this week's episode that I feel like crowded radio drops and had quotes in radio drops in like early web pages. You remember when people put like a default sound on their mm. awful early web pages with their little ticking counter? Hello, Mister Fancy. I just remember hearing that on so many fucking websites in an automatic <laughs> QuickTime player. Uh, yeah, uh, this, yeah. I feel like yeah, like a. T- 10 to 14 year old boy is like oh, yeah. the perfect, perfect audience perfect. for yeah. this because it is yeah because so much of it is just it, well it's it's a combination of three stooges style slapstick very cartoonish violence a little bit of things that are like a little kind of scary but they usually go very silly 
and and also mouthing off to fantasy tropes, which <laughs> I was really having trouble with trying to think of like how many comedies are there that take place in sort of a what we think of as a fantasy setting. You, you got your Black Knight. Mm -hmm. I guess you got your Princess Bride. But it's like, that's a really narrow thing that people don't take advantage of that much. Uh, your Highness. Your Highness. Yeah, I just thought that just too. Um, It's rare. It's that's rare yeah. because it's expensive. Uh, you know, comedies are tried to be cheap. It's expensive. Yeah, and this, is, this I believe, is, what is it, like seven times the cost of Evil Dead 2? It's... Yeah. Like it's a miracle it happened at all. I it's almost madness. It was greenlit in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, he, I didn't realize that I it seems to be the English are fighting the Scottish in this, and I did not know that that border territory looks so much like Bronson Canyon. <laughs> How about that, everybody? It looks like it's an hour outside of Los Angeles. So you don't it's have to pay union desert. rules. Yes. <laughs> so they're in a fucking desert for no goddamn reason. Then there's just a castle, and they're like, ah. This, this movie is so much fun, and I, I always forget how much fun it is every time I watch it, because I usually stick to Evil Dead 2, because it walks that Halloween-y horror line uh, a mm. little more traditionally, but this is so cool and unbelievable that it even exists, and I, I kept what? trying to find, like, what, they don't, like, still to this day, Hollywood doesn't really report video sales nope. numbers and and i have to imagine this should have been like an austin power situation where like this has been kicking ass for two years on video and made more than the born identity on video we should really promote it, it was it just they missed their window because soon after this uh bruce is going to be doing briscoe county jr oh my god I had that poster. I got it at the county fair. Yeah. Put it up but on the I, I would say, yeah, does Bruce Campbell do, is he a, a, the lead in anything besides Evil Dead? <laughs> Movie-wise? No. But yeah, he had I never two quite separate got... TV series where he was the lead, and he had major roles in Hercules, which was extremely popular. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. people should see this just to see why Bruce Campbell is the sting to Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness and why they drop a... 1970s yellow Oldsmobile in the middle of all that uh, <laughs> that tentacle battle. It's oh, a memory referencing this these films. Let me also throw this in. This is the first. This is the inspiration for the very first mod I ever played on a video game. I can see it. When uh, Doom was taking off, I learned there were these things called mod, which was mm -hmm. short for modification. You could load up your version of Doom so that it started spouting. Uh, Bruce Campbell one-liners, you know. It's yo, she bitch. <laughs> Boom. It, it has to be said that like I think Ash was the prototype for like a lot of video game protagonists and I think 100%. Due, due, oh, yeah. due to the nature of the weirdness of Evil Dead and its rights and its fandom, I think he's reprised the role of Ash more in games than he has on screen. <laughs> there's an Evil Dead playable multiplayer game right now. And there's been numerous games he's been in, and it just it's just so unbelievable. It would take 22 years to get a follow-up to this. It, it, Which it, is awesome, and I'm still kicking myself I fell off it. I, I loved every episode I saw of Ash versus the Evil Dead. Too. And I just stopped watching it because of life, and... I'm not paying for back. stars. I'm not paying for stars. Hell no. I, uh, besides the, the herky-jerky stop-motion, which always works the best for skeletons. I love herky-jerky oh, yeah. stop-motion skeletons. I, this made me realize how much we haven't even explained what the plot is, but how much I love skeleton puppets, especially Hell ones yeah. that seem to just be propped up with like a broom handle. 
and then they just sort of walk them across Jiggle the screen. Around. That's all I. That's all I want from it's the world. Beautiful. Man. I love skeleton puppets, especially when they see a missile coming to them and they scream. And I hated those <laughs> CG skeletons and warm bodies. It was like the, my the least favorite part of that entire film. Yeah. So uh, the plot, such as it is, is, yeah, this guy keeps fighting evil monsters um, and somehow he gets transported to medieval times. And they're like, oh, go get the Necronomicon. That'll fix everything. But then he fucks it up and then all the dead come out and they create a big army. And then there's a big siege on a castle, which having just watched Two Towers not long ago, <laughs> rang kind of familiar. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're fighting a big old siege with a bunch of bad guys outside. And then I... we got to fight down the stairways and stuff. Yep. I really, I, I really do want to hear from <laughs> as many people as possible if this was your first Evil Dead film, because it's that's got to be like kind of a surreal experience, especially if you end up loving it. Like there's more of these. That's why the end beginning is so fucking weird. Like it seems, it seems to reference another movie somehow. And then ends up right. in the current premise. It's pretty but bizarre. Those are clips from the other movie. Those are shot that's, just for this they one. They reshot it. Ah. The other ones don't have Bridget Fonda. No, I believe, I believe the, uh, the classic car crashed and they ended up having to use 86 footage <laughs> just for that. But, uh, other than that, yeah, it's all new shots. It's, it's just an astounding little labor of love. And I'm just yeah. so glad Ramey and Campbell didn't let it go. Let me throw this question out there. Mm-hmm. Are the evil dead zombies, the horniest I... zombies in all of cinema? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe other than dead alive. Cause they do actually fuck in that one. They're oh yeah. Pretty horny. Now, this I do have a warning on this that there are four different cuts of this. Yes. With yes. very, very minor differences. Um I TV watched cut, the director's cut cares. for the very first time. Okay. How, you know how but long it was? I, yeah, I was surprised. It, it, it was, the difference is literally like three minutes, six minutes. Yeah, yeah. Six, kind of I think six, it was about minutes. six minutes, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's annoying though, because I think I ended up watching the director's cut too inadvertently and it was like oh wait that's not the line i remember yeah, yeah that's a line from the theatrical cut um but i did get the happy ending but there's also the depressing ending because universal knew no matter which one you get you should go look up the other it one knew so little about what to do with this it just took the editing away from Raimi and gave it to other people completely unconnected to the production multiple people and so you have multiple cuts depending on your territory and it's still confusing i don't know which version i have uh, but yep. I don't even remember anymore. But I think they're they're. It's pretty easy to get. I can't recommend Army of Darkness. It, there's not much like it in the world. Yeah. No, especially no. in Dead Alive is kind of the closest. But Dead Alive is much more disgusting. This is much more lighthearted. No, the, I, at the very end, it's not even remotely scary. There is nothing scary about the vast majority of this. Yeah, it's just it's, it's just, just silly, d- delightful. It's yeah, it's it's if uh. Ray Harryhausen had carte blanche to make whatever kind of movie he wanted, he probably would have made something like this. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, Ray Harryhausen was really high. Yeah. And um, had just finished watching a Stooges marathon. Uh, it's a big improvement <laughs> from Crime Wave, I'll say that. But uh, <clears throat> moving on to television, 1993, February 17th through the, what is it, 24th? 23rd, uh, a great episode of SNL promoting Groundhog Day. Bill Murray is the host. I'm not kidding. When I see a whip, including recently <laughs> in the Indiana Jones stunt pet spectacular, I hum the theme song to the sketch, the most famous sketch from this, the Whip Master. If you want the theme song, start at the beginning. If you want the disclaimer, start at the timestamp. He's an expert with the whip. He rides the Mississippi. The Whip Master. 
The producers of the show would like to thank Todd Blanston for stepping in to play the Whipmaster during contract negotiations with our regular star. The producers would also like to point out that proficiency with a whip is very difficult to achieve and takes many years, and it is hoped that viewers will bear that in mind. So the whole joke <laughs> is very visual. Bill Murray's not good at the whip as the whip master, and he uses the whip like a laser pointer to open things and light cigars and ends up mauling the entire cast. <laughs> and when, when I was training myself to use a whip because I wanted to be Indiana Jones, I kept thinking of this, and it didn't stop me, uh, but I couldn't stop thinking of it. And all right, laying all my cards on the table, to me personally, this is Bill Murray's best SNL sketch of all time. I mean, if... I know old timers. I know you like your old stuff. I didn't find it as funny as I found this. <sighs> I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I understand. It's 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 weird that Bill Murray's a part of SNL, but doesn't have a lot of like classic thing. He doesn't host much, and he pops up in weird bits. Uh, it's more just like a surprise to see him there. Uh, I know what you're saying, though, because like I can only watch so much of Nick the Lounge Singer. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, Star Wars. I, I will give yeah, that Star, Star Wars, Wars song a close run. And uh, if they should bar wars, <laughs> they should let those Star Wars stay. Indeed. Uh, and then also this week, the Simpsons episode, Duffless. Duffless. Uh, Homer. So booze. this is the episode where Homer uh, gives up beer. And his wife, Marge, wants him to take this test. Homie, do you ever drink alone? Does the Lord count as a person? No. Then yes. Hmm. Do you need a beer to fall asleep? Thank you. That'd be nice. Do you ever hide beer around the house? Do I ever? <laughs> do you ever drink to escape from reality? <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. How do you do on that test? <laughs> Yeah, I get it. Oh, man, sleeping sober is uh, quite a feat sometimes for me. Yeah. Uh, it also has one of my favorite quotes that made me realize something that I didn't realize at the time. That I realized, but I, I didn't have IMDb to like cross-check. Like, I think this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a huge Herman's Heads fan. Too. I know that sounds <laughs> strange. It's like the <laughs> Yahoo! Serious Film Festival. But... I, I actually did love Herman's Head. I love the concept. Me I too. watched it. I thought it was the greatest show ever. And then The Simpsons ran this clip and had me second guessing my love of the show. Help me! Help me! <laughs> What's so funny? Oh, uh, I was just thinking of a joke I saw on Herman's Head. <laughs> <laughs> Marge is worried she's quoting Herman's Head. Uh, <laughs> Yes, and uh, I guess uh, Beardley Smith was a cast member on uh, Herman's Head along with Hank Azaria, and yes. And and like, when you see Beardley Smith pop up, it is so unmistakable. She's not doing much to be Lisa. It's it's pretty Mm -hmm. surreal. It's like when I see that actor uh, who plays Piglet in like Twilight Zone episodes and The Odd Couple. Um, (laughs) It's very much his real voice. Uh, also yep. this week, right. hmm. before we nerd out, I, I feel bad. I did not give out a, a shout out to Embeth Davids. Who's the, the girl in army of darkness. Oh, yes. It's her first film. Her 1993 oh. is army of darkness and Schindler's list. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Imagine it's a major part in Schindler's list. Which yeah. award ceremony do I go to? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oscars. Which work of, am I the most proud of? Or the famous mm. Monsters of Filmland Awards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also in big notable TV news, you've heard us talking about Slash making fun of the Primetime Entertainment Network. It may get its biggest series to date. Babylon 5 mm-hmm. debuts with a kept referring to it as like a trial, a, a, a two-hour TV movie, The Gathering. Yeah, because it's not going to become a series for about another year. Mm-hmm. This was very much the PTEN having its uh, test run to see if there's going to be a market. Okay. All right. I want to give them credit. In 1993, no American sci-fi television show other than Star Trek The Next Generation, Mm. had lasted more than three seasons. Mm. Wow. Not one. Not uh, Twilight Zone is fantasy. It doesn't count. But Lost in Space lasted three. Star Trek, the original series, lasted three. By 1993, the longest-running sci-fi show was Star Trek The Next Generation, and no one else. Do you ever take Small Wonder? No, I'm just kidding. uh... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, oh, America. Geez. Yeah, okay. Doctor Who. That's uh. Doctor Who. Yeah, you try to uh, untangle that one. No. Okay. This is now. I'm second guessing myself. But this is going for uh, for syndication, uh, and it's it's really trying to bite Star Trek's. Uh, for, it sounded like oh, yeah. the description sounded like the premise of Deep Space Nine. Am I incorrect? Because there's a lot of nerd uh, typeage over this. Mm. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski pitched this idea to Paramount Mm -hmm. before they were in development of DS9. Mm. And there's a lot of people that say he caught, they copied his idea. There's a lot of people that say you can't copyright the idea of a space station instead of a spaceship. But there's some similarities where it's kind of like, Oh, that's, that's kind of close y'all, but is what it is. I'm a huge B five fan. Wow. Okay, I love this series more than Deep Space Nine. <gasps> I yes, Ooh. yes, I'm going there. And there are nerds who want to beat you up right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, come at me with your slide rulers, yo. Um, but this is modern television. Okay, this is the TV show that really introduced season-long arcs. Mm. This is the television show that really had. There is not a single episode this season you can miss. If you miss a single episode, you're not going to understand the next episode. This is the modern television world in 1993 syndication with a 1993 syndication budget. But it's all there. It is how we like to view television today by the second season. Mm -hmm. Not so much the first season. That's more standard television. But J. Michael Straczynski had a plan from day one. He wrote out a five-year arc for this series, and it followed it pretty damn closely. He had to change some things because uh, the star of this TV movie um, became the star of the entire television show and then had severe mental problems by the end of the first season, and he had to resign. And he asked... JMS, he said, uh, JMS said, I will keep the secret of why you are resigning to my grave. And the star said, no, keep it to my grave, though. And JMS did. He didn't say anything. He said, uh, it was all my decision. This was my choice to replace the main star of my television show, which is a big deal 
after one mm. season, you're getting rid of your main star. Yeah. And he said, this was my decision. And he kept saying that until the actor died. And then, uh, wow. like a couple months after the funeral, he said he had a complete mental breakdown. He had to go to, uh, inpatient care. And that's why he had to leave. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I don't have a secret uh, that big. Jesus. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I think this was a little too dense for my 12-year-old brain because I know I tried to watch it, and not unlike Army of Darkness, they ran the same promo over and over again, and we would, I just remember throwing a basketball around, we'll strike back and we'll strike back hard. And from the commercial see, that played endlessly. I, I think it might have been a little too ahead of its time because 1993 serial storytelling is more risky. Yeah. This isn't the modern era where you can just uh, rewind or catch it whenever you want. People channel surfed tons in 1993, and a lot of people were just flipping around, and then were like, well, this is, I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to stick around. Uh, mm -hmm. But this had one-third of the budget of Star Trek The Next Generation, but it delivers so wow. much. I mean, it it has such a fantastic arc. Some of the characters have stuck with me to this day. Uh, it's got amazing quotes. It's I keep meaning to do a rewatch. I may try to see if I can get my son into it. It's it's going to be hard because you know it's got 1993 CGI oh, TV yeah. graphics. Probably oh. shot in a camcorder. Looks like shit. Yeah. Uh, I believe um, it streams free on Tubi. Tubi. All right. Um, hmm. Yes. Five gathering. seasons. I mean, that is a solid yeah. ass run. And, and movies, and, and six more TV movies. Yeah. Yep. And there, there's been talk of a reboot for about five years now. And uh, JMS says he's working on it. Uh, I think he may deliver it. I, I think if we could see the Babylon Five universe completely rebooted um, with a big budget, it could be some amazing, amazing storytelling because the bones are there. The bones of this universe world building are solid, and cool. I want to see the future of the franchise. Well, that hmm. is a let's do a hard pivot into the 1993 video games because it's terrible. Wayne's World Genesis, I think Dave coined the term airplane hangar games, just enormous, open, <laughs> long, wide, tall, like maze like levels of nothing, and this. Game sucks, but they seem to have licensed the Queen song. So there's a moment where for 16-bit uh, Bohemian Rhapsody in the in one of the cutscenes in the game. Wing Commander and Sega CD can't I, I can mm. they do that? Barely. I mean, uh, it, it's a I think 1990 PC game, so the Sega CD can pretty much handle it. But you know what's coming, folks? Some of that wonderful Sega CD voice work that oh you love so well. Oh Here's boy. Here's your funeral if you die in the game. We are gathered here to pay tribute to one of our own, Second Lieutenant Hotshot. It's Cam! It is always sad to lose a pilot. But it is especially difficult when he is as young as Hotshot. <laughs> uh, yes, and I want Leonardo to give my eulogy. Thank you. And and then there's another quote I was hoping we could play. Uh, you're introduced to your old timer buddy, Shot Glasses, and uh, he's gonna tell you what's what on being shot, a pilot. Shot glasses, plural. I think so. <laughs> Let's play that tape and see. Oh, must be hot shot. I'm Shot Glass. Welcome aboard the Claw. I used to be a pilot myself. 
Still the flea bag shot me up so bad I couldn't fly. Yeah, I guess I Singular. most every pilot on the claw. I love still love the idea when we mastered intergalactic travel, we still have southern accents. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love Space Hicks. Give me more. Uh, also out flashback, the quest for identity on Sega CD. They, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. some more cut scenes, but there's it just doesn't add anything, and that's the failure of the Sega CD. It's just like, okay, here's your here's cut the, scene. We're the worst version of a PC game. And then, of yeah. course, the unforgettable the Flintstones on Genesis. Holy shit. Holy shit. Just <sighs> copy-paste the stuff I said about the Flintstones two episodes ago. How do we have a Genesis game out of this? I, I don't get this Flintstone video game renaissance. How many Flintstone games have we talked about, just you and me together? Well, yeah, it's the uh, it's it's not only the um, NES has some really good latter-day Hanna-Barbera games, but uh, the, the, the GBA and the Game Boy would become dumping grounds for all kinds of licensed horseshit, and there's a ton yeah. of Flintstones games on there. As well, I couldn't tell you what's special about this, but one of the NES ones, he like Fred jumps like Mega Man. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> and let's move into music of 1993, February 17th to the 23rd. I will always love you by Whitney Houston is still number one on the charts. Still, yeah. still, we're at like two and a half months, guys. But we do have some new releases, including 1993 by Naughty by Nature, Fuzzy by Grant Lee Buffalo, Hardworking Man by Brooks and Dunn. Sister Sweetly by Big Head Todd and the Monsters, Slow Dancing with the Moon by Dolly Parton, and Pablo Honey, the debut of Radiohead. God damn, I don't associate that with 1993. No, I suppose you don't. I just the other day watched such a great clip of Patrice O'Neill, R.I.P., talking about how creep does something magical to white people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so funny. There's just something there that when white people hear creep, it just takes over our lives for two and a half minutes, and we can't do anything else. We hear that little "bradit" <laughs> guitar, and we just lose our minds. Yes, because we all we all, we all true. feel down on ourselves, or like to feel ourselves as the underdog, crazy. And I, I you know what? My first, I didn't start watching MTV. I started watching MTV through Beavis and Butthead. And if you remember, <laughs> this is the first crop of buzz clips I remember them advertising. Uh, this video for Creep. So I'm just about tuning into MTV and get my music on. Ah, uh, but let's close out with Creep by Radiohead. But don't move, people. We got a lot more to talk about. Ten years later, 2003. Don't move. I wish I was special. So fucking special. But I'm a creep. like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the laser time crew then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste 1978 they're shooting superman 1 and superman 2 back to back I'm kind of becoming comic obsessed in the early to mid 80s. I think Superman 3 is on the verge of coming to video, but basically I could just rent the first two over and over again. 
So I watched those over and over and over again. And to me, they they warm my heart. And by the time the Donner cut came out in, what are we talking, 06? Coinc- 06, I think, yeah. To coincide. Like, I watched it and, like, you know, I read this is technically better. I was a little kid. I didn't know what happened. I didn't want this version. It. I felt nothing when I saw it because, like, this is just not the n- nostalgic version I have for Superman. And Steve has an, an experience I'd like to talk about. It's hard to call any of these movies good because they're all bad and pee in the eye of Superman and, and everything you know about it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Coming into 2003 with How Do You Mend a Broken Heart by Michael Bublé off his self-titled album, which was out last week. Welcome to 2003, February 17th to the 23rd. Other new music releases you might remember from 20 years ago. Chocolate Factory by R. Kelly. Timeless, isn't it? Everybody get out your R. Kelly CDs. The whole family's going to want to hear it. Office of Strategic Influence by OSI. Uh, One Kill uh, Wonder by The Hunted. Animosity. Insomnia by Ministry, <laughs> Cyclorama by Styx, Deepwater Slaying version 2.0 by Zion, I, Zion the First, I don't know, Feast of Wire by Calexico, and the self-titled uh, album by Jennifer Hansen, You Are Free by Cat Power, and Give Up by the Postal Service. The Postal Service is 20 years old. I hope that makes up everyone I went to college with feel real old. All I Have by Jennifer Lopez featuring LL Cool J is still number one. A little bit of news to bring you into 2003. Holy Lord, uh, this is the week... Uh. Yeah, where the pyrotechnics display uh, set in the station nightclub. It's at the sta- it's set set the uh, station nightclub ablaze during a concert by rock band Great White kills one hundred. Pe- I I did not remember being that many and injuries over oh, yeah. three hundred yeah. uh, others in West Warwick, Rhode Island. Holy it, shit! Yeah, it went up fast and it was bad because they had uh, polyurethane um, like egg carton stuff soundproofing and the, the uh great whites manager who was all of 26 put mm. out little things that shoot up sparks to, st- to open the show shoots up the sparks they hit the ceiling they ignite the stuff it takes less than two minutes for the whole place to be ablaze and wow. it's giving off toxic smoke so a lot of people just drop and, then they and one of the stuff. exits had been blocked uh to try to like keep curb uh, the great white fandom in. Yeah, no, they were a decent band. They were. No, they I, were I, look, yeah. I, I, we we talked about this. I I grew up in a small big town, but like, other than the Civic Center, there was one bigish venue like where I saw they might be giants, and that's where Great White played a lot. So like, a lot. So like when this happened, everyone's like, oh shit! Like this this could have this could have happened at the Moon is what it's called. This could have happened here uh given the right yeah, conditions because the exits are just as bad and it made people rethink entirely because people were still like smoking whatever at most shows and in, in, <laughs> indoors so like they had to rethink all literally their exit strategy for like every every venue 
Yeah, this is, I mean, it's, it's a small venue. It, it was capacity about 400. They were a little bit over that in West Warwick, Rhode Island. And people were mean and made jokes about how does Great White actually get 400 people to show up? That doesn't sound right. And mm. <laughs> it's like, come on, once bitten, twice shy. Come on, man. Oh, was that also, them? I mean, their guitarist died. So, wow. Come on. Their guitarist yeah. died. Their, their manager guitarist was charged. died because they didn't realize how serious it was. He, the guitarist got out of the building and then was like, uh, I really want to get my guitar. Went back in and Jeez. died from the poisonous fumes. Wow. In like two minutes. Yeah, it it Where's just his song, and, and there was film of it because a local right. radio, or a local local station was doing a story about that because there had been a stampede at a club in Chicago that had killed a couple people a few days before. Yeah, so there's footage of this, and it it's horrifying. Though I don't suggest you look it up. But the, the, uh, the, yeah, because the, the, manager... na the nature of these clubs are to be windowless and exclusive, and a fucking yeah. choke point to get people. In, in and out of the building. So it's Jesus Christ. Yeah. So uh, the two club owners and the manager were both charged with involuntary manslaughter. Ooh. The manager, against the wishes of his attorneys, pled guilty. And he was like, because I feel horrible about this. I feel like it was my fault. And um, he ended up doing, I think, four years wow. plus a suspended sentence. The brothers ended up pleading no contest and they did about the same. So. Yeah, funds for the victims, and I believe the area is like a little memorial park now. Probably still it's, paying uh, it off. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's bad. It's not even the worst nightclub disaster in U.S. history. I think it's third or fourth. Yeah, but what, yeah. the worst one we got on film because I just definitely remember seeing the footage. Uh, oh boy! Man. How about a little bit of good news before we dive into more bad news? Sorry, ladies and most men. Paul Rudd marries publicist Julie Yeager, and they are still together. Yeah, happy anniversary. If you I, I, Matt sent it to me this morning. Paul Rudd was on the field with his son who got interviewed and sounds exactly like him. It it was <laughs> surreal. It was absolutely <laughs> surreal. Like it like you'd think he was doing a perfect Paul Rudd impression. Uh movies of two thousand three, February seventeenth to the twenty third, Daredevil is still number one at the box office, a movie we could not get enough of. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, first up, we got uh, Geraldine McEwen, uh, Anne Marie Duff, Nora Jane Nguyen, Dorothy Duffy, and Eileen Walsh in the Magdalene Sisters. A wonderfully depressing film. Oh, uh, for something. God damn. I I think Catholics should always be reminded of. <laughs> this, yeah, this is a brutal one. I totally forgot. It is written directed by Peter Mullen, who's. And he's a old time Scottish. Hey, it's that guy. You've seen him in all kinds of stuff. Top of the lake. He's like the main baddie. And uh, yeah, he's been around for a long time. But did you know and, about the the ring of Catholic slut slaves who uh, <laughs> who existed mm -hmm. in my lifetime? I did not until I saw this movie. Yes, it's about the Magdalene Laundries, which were workhouses for, you know, women who can't be trusted out in society because they're sluts like because they got raped or like they're too flirty or they had a baby out of wedlock fallen women jesus christ and they are horrendously abused and forced to work in ridiculous conditions and or sometimes free. sexually abused beaten horribly and this went on until 1996 mm -hmm. jesus was the last one closed this takes place i think in the 50s also, see now I want to see that movie. Yeah. I want to see the the last slut slaves. <laughs> uh, it's just 
it just is. I mean, it's 1996. You're on the internet, and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm forced to work because I had sex. Yeah, and the internet exists. Work because AOL says that's a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. um, It's a brutal film, but it's a story that needs to be told. Absolutely, I had never heard of these, and then. Went on a deep dive uh, after watch Philomena, which we talked about in a couple of years, which is also about someone being sent to a, a fallen woman's home. And it just like blows my mind that the way that the Irish government just sort of made the Catholic Church part of the government mm-hmm. and is just mistreating people because they can. And it's like it's Ireland. Like you guys have this history of being colonized by the English and having the workhouse, which is basically what this is. You're so poor, you have to go to the workhouse, which is like worse than prison. No, until no, no, no. Die. See the the whole purpose of throwing out the colonizers is that you can do the stuff they did. Uh, That's the purpose. Yeah. They just repeat it. Only this time it's for girls we don't like instead of everyone else. And God damn. In in a weird confluence of things, 10 years later, this same week, the uh, TCOC, the prime minister of Ireland, issues a formal apology to victims of the Magdalene Laundries. Because it sounds like going to just going to prison is easier yeah. than going to one of these places. Mm-hmm. Or at least at least you have some kind of rights or legal system on your side where there's nothing yeah. for these women. Nothing. No. There's there's just no way out until you can get maybe some male family members can spring you mm-hmm. because they're like, it's OK. I've decided we to marry her think... without her permission. Yeah. <laughs> and just like there were a bunch of scandals in the early 90s because one of them sold off some land to make some money and they found a mass grave there. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Darkness. Catholic uh... Church. Great, great problem yeah, i want to punch a nun so hard now they almost drowned me as a baby i'll never forgive them punch a, punch a, you see a nun you just punch her right in the face mm-hmm. uh Can't also out this week uh <laughs> corrupt <laughs> ving rames brendan gleason uh michael michelle scott speedman and kurt russell in dark blue not to be confused the other dark movie in the next segment dark no. blue or, or, or the tv show called dark blue which is not really related except it's also about cops Mm -hmm. uh yeah so this is kind of a follow-up to training day and it did not compare very well to training day because it's it's the same writer david air but based on a story by james elroy oh yeah la confidential Mm kind of guy um and it's pretty good i thought kurt russell in particular is fucking great because it's about these like ridiculously corrupt cops all trying to frame each other at the same time. <laughs> that's basically what it is. They're all trying to kill and frame each other at the same time. That's that's a simplified version of it. And uh, yeah, you don't see Kurt Russell is like this psychotic, but also like he's a good guy because he's Kurt Russell and you kind of want to trust him, but no, he's totally going to plant a gun on that guy mm. and then kill you. Oh, crap. Mm. And... Yeah, and it just sort of came and went and everyone just sort of was like, that was okay. And then went back and watched it like, no, actually, why don't we talk about this movie more? This is a, a little, it's a step above the usual, oh no, one of these cups is bad kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, also in the category of movies I refuse to see. Um, oh, God, no. <laughs> Robert Duvall, Stephen Ling, Jeff Daniels in Gods and Generals, a Civil War. Ooh. Is the director's cut over three hours? Fuck. Five. Four in it. Yeah. Oh, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Funded personally by mr ted turner Mm -hmm. so 
This is the most pro-Confederate film since Birth of a Nation. <laughs> I am not being facetious. There, maybe there's a more pro-Confederate film between those two movies, but I haven't seen that. This is literally the most pro-Confederate film I have ever seen in my life other than Birth of a Nation. The filmmakers make numerous decisions in this film. There's a scene when Virginia votes to secede from the Union, okay? And the score is triumphant. The score is the music you hear when the good, honest folk are going to strike back at the evil empire. And when they ask, would anyone object to Virginia seceding? The response is, only the village idiot. And everyone laughs because only the village idiot would want Virginia to not secede. Keep in mind, from a purely selfish southern white standpoint the white saw south lost a higher percentage of its people than japan did in world war ii oh, jesus Christ. it was a wreckage for them okay and they are presenting it as if of course we want to secede of course there is no risk to us the white folks ruling this country yeah and there is not the discussion of slavery that the actual historical Confederates did. I am a student of the Civil War. I love studying the Civil War. I can tell you that in secession document after secession document, they mentioned slavery. It's, mm -hmm. it's the thing they mentioned the most. And not so here. Uh, there are some black people in this film who fight for the Confederacy. Oh, no. <laughs> Frankie Faison, no. <laughs> no. And okay, there, and there were, no, historically, there were. Tiny, uh, tiny numbers. Most of them didn't have a choice because yes. their owner was going to fight and they had to go. Yeah. Or else the, you're the South, The South employed numerous slaves to do the grunt work during the war effort. That was a thing. But it's not shown. It, okay. Uh, this uh, film uh, has one of the African-Americans be presented as if he's choosing to fight uh, uh, with Stonewall Jackson. Now, Stonewall Jackson did have a slave, and it's the same slave that is portrayed in this film, but that slave didn't have a choice. Stonewall brought him along, but in this film, it's presented as if that slave, who is never mentioned being a slave, is there Aww. voluntarily. Ah, jeez. Okay. And speech after speech about the Confederacy, not so the Union. The Union does not get any grand speeches in this film. <sighs> this film is overwhelmingly political in nature. Okay, I will defend Gettysburg. I think Gettysburg is a solid film. There's yep. not a lot of speechifying in Gettysburg because it's yeah. a battle movie. Generally, th this, this is considered kind of like a prequel. You know, yeah. it's like we're doing the same thing again, but about other stuff, about yeah. Stonewall. Yeah, it, this covers First Manassas, Antietam, Fredericksburg, and Chancellorsville. Four okay. battles. Big That's a lot. Uh, but they all speechify through it, and no one speechified in Gettysburg because people being shot at don't have long political philosophical <laughs> discussions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this movie's uh, yeah, great, this then. Was you know, oh, you know Ted, was Ted Turner legend. is in the movie? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he's in the movie. Yeah, this is legendarily panned of the the poor bastards who had to go see the theatrical cut, which was already pretty long. We're just like, you. This is just lost cause. The movie. What are you doing? Really, really, Jeff Daniels and Stephen Lang. Like, Um, yeah, we do deserve some decent Civil War movies out there, but what the could? Yeah, do we have to ignore the fact that we're no fighting over i like owning people to do work for me here's what i really want to see the Hmm. civil war was a religious civil war okay Hmm. it was a religious fight between white christians who thought slavery was part of the bible and white christians who thought slavery was against the bible i can tell Hmm. you that the non-religious arguments against slavery before the Civil War, were not very powerful. It was overwhelmingly presented as a religious change. And I've never seen that in any film. I've Mm. seen tons of Civil War films, but that aspect of it has never really been explored. And that was a huge part of people's internal lives at the time. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Let's make it about Quakers, because they're cool. Because they thought it was religious. They were very religiously against slavery but also very religiously against actually fighting about it yeah that would be a fantastic film that's an awesome film Mm. or uh you could have the civil war movie about those very few black soldiers who did at the very end say maybe we'll fight for the confederacy that would be a hell of a story to tell it from their story or yeah yeah i mean there's there's lots of stories you can tell about the Civil War that have not been told. Hmm. We talk about another movie with a political agenda that's stupid. There you go. That's and clumsy. it's one that I agree with. Exactly. I agree with its political <laughs> agenda, and I hate this movie. I was presi- prescribed this movie by a fellow lib, because uh, I am a uh, spoiler, or a uh, full disclosure, anti-death penalty. So anti-death penalty, the movie, Laura Lenny, Kate Winslet, and Colin Spacey, and the life of David Gale. Every crime has a suspect. Mr. Gale, Austin Police. Every murder has a motive. What if the murder was not only to get rid of Gale, but to make him look crazy? But the truth is not always what it seems. This is where the tripod was. They never found a video or anything. Someone's framing you. Oh, it's more than that. Why make it look like a murder? Why frame an innocent man? Kevin Spacey, the life of David Gale. Ah, so Laura Linney is a, a pro-life activist. Pro- Pro-life? That's not the way to say that. Yeah. Um, anti-death, anti-death penalty. penalty advocate who dies with Kevin Spacey's fingerprints on her neck. And now, all of a sudden, the anti-death penalty advocate is on trial for the death penalty. And he has a lot to da, say da, about da, it. Da. And I have never in my life predicted the end of a movie so fucking <laughs> fast in yeah. my entire life. Yep. Uh, I knew exactly what it was going to do. Um, yeah, and then but it's dumb because it muddies the waters because like a chunk of the first part of the movie is about how like he's a professor and the student says that he assaulted her and then she disappears and you're like okay so he's a bad guy Kevin Spacey who knew and then it kicks <laughs> into this death penalty stuff which is like well was that part of the plan then that he was already yeah. suspected in a disappearance <laughs> Us, like. The whole point, uh, uh, yeah, we have to spoil this because it's so stupid. It was all a setup 
So to make it look like Kevin Spacey did a murder so that he is an innocent man who is executed. And and then all once he's executed, all the evidence could be released to show yeah. that the he death He worked with Laura fine. Linney, intentionally and- filmed himself placing his hand on her neck after she had strangled, asphyxiated herself to be like, see, mm-hmm. I told you sometimes the legal system is wrong and now I'm dead. But this is so freaking <laughs> stupid. <Yes>. Okay, <laughs> if, if this was it's real, so everyone would be like, you fucking dumbass, this changes no one's Nothing. opinion. No, no, no one is going to care. They're just going to think you're the stupidest man alive. What a dumb, stupid plan. Yes. <laughs> and we, we pretty much just lost two anti-death penalty advocates for your little plan. And this will be forgotten in the next news cycle. <laughs> yeah. How about yeah. raise money for some innocence projects and go. get some DNA. Also, it's 2003. We're starting to have DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. We've, we've had it for, oh, I don't know, 10 years pretty much. And the, it's exonerating people. It's exonerating people all over the place. And every time that happens, you should publicize the bejesus out of it because that's an innocent person we almost fucking killed. I agree wholeheartedly no. with this movie's no. message and I do not recommend anyone watch it. I... I hate this movie. Yep. I hate Life of David no, Gale. I Although I did just figure out this movie, and I don't recommend it. <laughs> uh, I did just figure out how we fix gods and generals. We'd make it gods and generals and zombies. There you go. There you go. There you go. So I want to see zombies eat Confederates. Yeah, that'd be That's fun. That's okay with me. That'd yeah. be fun. Hope they don't survive on brains because they'll be starving. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anywho, forget hail. Uh, uh, let's. Here's a movie I saw in theaters. Laughed my ass off. Saw it on DVD dozens of times. Laughed my ass off. Watched it this week. And it's just, I feel nothing anymore. (laughs) Uh, Ellen Pompeo, Jeremy Piven, Vince Vaughn, Will Ferrell, Luke Wilson. It's old school. When Mitch's life fell apart. What are you doing home? He found a new place to live. We are officially starting a fraternity. That's genius. But one man's home. This is my house. Is another man's party. These guys don't even go to the school. I want in. Luke Wilson, Will Ferrell, and Vince Vaughn. What's going on? If you tell anyone about this, I'll kill you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll come back by tonight. Old school. Rated R. Old school. It's the, you know, the renaissance for rated R comedies, and this does super, super well. But again, like Army of Darkness, I heard like this in radio. Will Ferrell lines in radio jingles and like fucking Mm. frat shirts. the, See, that's uh, this is be the, the birth secrets. of Will Ferrell. Yes, I was about to say this is the the secret story of 2003 is Will Ferrell becoming a movie star because yes. we've basically he's third build it with a Wilson brother in two movies in a row, this and Zoolander before it, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the year uh, they think well he's kind of cheap so let's roll the dice and put him in a Christmas movie and yep. it becomes a classic and Will Ferrell is a star and Will Ferrell that's leaves it. SNL. Yep, it's it's kind of a bizarre story just because like. The exact same thing happened when Todd Phillips made The Hangover with Zach Galifianakis. It's like almost the same <laughs> character, uh, mm. same director, same uh, comedic force. But yeah, I used to love this movie. And, and now, uh, like Vince Vaughn, you know, I can get t- kind of tired of him nowadays, but like he's improvising and good. And every other thing, it's like shitty CG slapstick or there's no joke here. There, there's this is kind of a funny situation, but there's just people expressing how they feel, and there's not a joke. Animal House has jokes and and and, and silly characters, and 
this sort of doesn't. And I, I was just, I, I remembered it being so ribald and, and like out there and like, it's really tame by like modern standards. <laughs> well, it's 20 years tame. old. True. It's got some titties. It's some boobs and some flagrant use of the F word. And yeah, a guy uses the F slur in like the first 10 seconds of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's shocking. I forgot about that. It, it yeah, just... No, I, I, it's weird. Cause I remember this as being sort of like, yeah, so beloved. Mm-hmm. And then to see, Oh, the reviews pretty rough, like 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Just like, okay, great. Like, to find out, no, it's actually kind of shake on sort of shaky ground because I always thought like this is one of the most popular comedies ever, right? I'm like, no, just just among some people. I, like, I okay. think it's just the we're going streaking and Frank the Tank, <laughs> and the that's tank its cultural legacy. Um, so I was part of fraternity. It was one of the top three bonding experiences i've ever had in my life it was immensely important to be developing social skills i'll always be thankful for it this is touching nostalgia for people this is you're out of college remember when you could party all the time with a group of friends remember when you could go outside your door and all of your friends were right there and Mm -hmm. getting together for a single drink didn't take 17 texts and three rearranges <laughs> and two separate days remember that i think because i do that, that, uh, that's part of it is that like am i wasn't nostalgic for my being in my 30s and being nostalgic for my 20s <laughs> like I'm, yeah, I'm at a totally okay. different age now <laughs> but see at my fraternity we had a literal 50 year old pledge one year what Wow. Yep. For All real right. life. We had a 50 year old pledge and it was fun. He liked it. We all liked it. I can kind of put myself in the mindset when I watch this movie for the very first time because I've never watched it before. And it was mm-hmm. all like, okay, so if you've never had this experience and you were looking as an older, middle aged person, uh, you know, bit of a stuck in a routine, could this be wish fulfillment? Yeah, it could. And I don't think this is a hilarious comedy. I can assure you I'm never going to watch it again. <laughs> it was worth a one-time watch. It just, I remember people like drinking a beer and like, it's so cold when it hits your lips. And like, just, that's <laughs> not a joke. Like, this, it, it, that's not even a joke. That's just Will Ferrell, like kind of ad-libbing. It, yeah, it's I Will thought, Ferrell oh. being an alcoholic. That's what's funny. And his character it. is the most interesting. Like a guy who doesn't know yeah. he needs to be divorced. And he's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you could find that's definitely the the lesson of like everyone doesn't need to settle down and get married and have kids and have boring lives. Maybe that's not who you actually are. Like if you wanted to search for meaning in this, you could find that. Yeah, I hadn't seen this in a real long time. I, you know, pretty good laughs here and there. There's some good jokes in it. I felt like, well, first of all, I I enjoyed Jer- Jeremy Piven as the bad guy because yeah. we've talked about peace and you on this show. Mm-hmm. And so they go together kind of nicely as he, he's fallen so far from being the cool guy. I felt like the, the there was really no need for a romance subplot, just cramming in Ellen Pompeo there for no no goddamn reason. I mean, overall, I liked it. I think it's a lot of fun. But let me go in, in a weird direction here for a second. Please. So we talked about Lorenzo's Oil a, a bunch of weeks back, and I saw some people talking about it on Twitter saying, like, how can you dismiss Lorenzo's Oil just because woo anti-vax idiots are going to get bad ideas from it and 
was like, that's not really what we were saying, but it's like, it's going to stick in your mind 20 years, 30 years later, something like that will stick out for this. There was a point where I had to pause and contemplate. Why am I thinking about the proud boys right now? Mm. Because that's know, the honestly. evil version of old school. The idea of yeah, fraternal it's order. Hard to, it's, it's a fraternity for guys who are out of college, who have trouble making friends. And this way we can get together and drink. And it's like, that's great. I am all for that until politics come in and then you're on trial for seditious conspiracy. <laughs> so there, there, everyone, I ruined old school for you too. Frank the Tank would have been a January 6th. You know it. <laughs> oh, accidentally. I feel like he would. <laughs> I mean, like he would have shown up because he actually wanted to hear the speech and then he would get, the crowd would push him inside <laughs> and he'd be very I, confused. <laughs> I think we have old school two script. Call us Hollywood. Uh, there you go. Uh, I think they said they tried Jay Johnston on the phone. <laughs> wow. wow. Um, <laughs> great cast, though. Yeah. And Craig Kilborn popping up uh, for some Craig weird Kilborn reason. Craig Kilborn popping up. Yeah, no, overall, like, I did, I, I, I do like it. And I like that we're kind of getting to a turning point away from the gross-out comedies into just our, our comedies that don't hate everyone so much. Yeah. Yeah, you Roger know, Ebert called still... it. A, it's not funny, but it's a kinder, gentler Animal House. Like it's doesn't have a streak of cruelty running through it. Wow, this makes me wonder if I should go back to college so I can pledge a sorority and see what happens. Oh. Do they want the forty-five-year-old who always has hated sororities and hate <laughs> everything about them? Let's make a documentary. People, call I, me. I'm <laughs> just tired of buying my own booze. So whatever it takes. Uh, Two thousand three television. Uh, February 17th through the 23rd, 23rd, uh, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Debuts on ABC. I never saw this show and it looked like a watered down survivor with celebrities, yes. yeah. including former exactly. cast members of yeah. survivor. Stop. We don't have to say another word about it. Yay! That's, that's exactly what it is. It's another one. This style, this and like Big Brother is so much more popular in the UK. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's it's just a much, much bigger thing. But, uh, yep. Oh, right. my God. There are versions of this. Wait, let me count. Australia, French Canada, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, India, Mexico, Netherlands, Romania, Russia, Sweden, UK, and the US. Yes. Season two US winner was Lou Diamond Phillips. Um. Yes. And, and, I'll go watch that. I love Lou Diamond Phillips. Um, and then we have the the 45th annual Grammys this week, uh, live from Madison Square Gardens, opening with a Simon and Garfunkel reunion. I didn't even remember that happened. Oh. Uh, but yes, Nora Jones sweeps. Um, Bruce Springsteen, No Doubt, Eminem, Faith Hill, Dixie Chicks, and more perform. Um, All right, let's see. Yeah, don't know why by Nora Jones. Record of the year, come away with me. Album of the year, best new don't know why. Song of the year, <laughs> best new artist, beating uh, Ashanti, John Mayer, Avril Lavigne, and Michelle Branch. Fuck yeah! Wow, she cleaned up. Yep. Good for you, honey. And uh, okay. Um, and then uh, next up in a little bit of news item, uh, late show host David Letterman begins a few weeks to leave due to shingles and gets guest hosts, which they had not done because <clears throat> that's essentially how he lost his job as, at the hosting the night show. Um, I believe he said when he got the job at CBS, no guest hosts. That became the rule for Jay Leno and... Because uh, and- you're training your replacement. Mm-hmm. But guest hosts include Bruce Willis, Regis Philbin, Will Ferrell, and Elvis Costello. Hmm. 
And uh, what is this clip about? Uh, so this break was actually a very important psychological moment for uh, Dave because being on leave and taking the medicine for shingles uh, put him into a mindset where he would finally start taking anti-depression medication. Mm. And I realized mm. that the David Letterman I love the most was depressed. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, it, it's talk show host seems like a dream job and also a rough job just to like, it, it, I have it sometimes as a podcaster. Cause it's just like uh, other jobs. You have projects do every couple of weeks. Whereas like, we're hustling like every goddamn day to do something entertaining. And it's just like, Oh, it just never ends. Is it getting better? I can't tell, but it's done. Uh, but yeah, it has to be pretty. I never understood why he did it as long as he did. Cause he's never been more interesting now that he's off that late night show. He's so cool to hear him talk. Um, do you want to play this clip? So I, I took it, uh, 10 milligrams and, uh, one of those, uh, selected serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Right, right. SSRIs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, oh my gosh, uh, within about 90 days, uh, I realized, oh, this is how other people who I admire must feel. Because I would, I, whenever I would get upset, I wanted to make sure the world was upset mm -hmm. with me. And the smart people didn't fall for that. Uh, <laughs> Good point. Good point. Um, and... What's family business about on Showtime? Because we got a big HBO block here. Family business. I never saw it. It debuts porn. on Showtime. Oh, porn. Good. It's is that what it porn. is? Yeah. It, it is a reality show about Seymour Butts. Excuse me? Yes. That's his, that's his stage name, Seymour Butts. His real name is Adam Glassa. And it's about um, his son and his... Wife and uh, cousin, and they, they run the Ew. family business in San Fernando Valley. Ew. Ew. <clears throat> well, yep. Went huh. four seasons. I want to talk about all the stuff happening in HBO this week, because it's yes. great. Uh, I became a huge Ali G fan uh, via, pff, shit, what was it? Like Kazaa or whatever, <laughs> like a pre-Torrent world. And we, we loved it. We loved the Ali G show and Bruno and Borat, but... Uh, there was one season produced in the UK in 2000 and then some, some really weird specials I can't even find anymore. There's a ton of Ali G stuff that like never made it over here. Uh, mm -hmm. but this, basically the second season is the debut of the HBO series, the Ali G show. And I, this is great because bringing, bringing Sasha Baron Cohen just over to America period, like the English are always kind of polite and easy to ruffle, but Borat in particular works so much better in the South. Just, <laughs> it is way funnier in the South. It is super low rent, but this is basically the American debut of Borat. I got a little clip of him going, signing up for a Southern dating service. Uh, You're open to all races? Uh, yes, but no Jew. No Jewish. Okay. All right. So why don't you tell me what you enjoy? What are your interests? I like uh, play uh, table tennis. I like uh, shoot dog. I like Snoop dog. Shoot dog. Shoot. Oh, okay. <laughs> and just this southern. Yeah, okay. That's that seems great. No Jews <laughs> shooting dogs. Love it. But uh, yep. debuts there. 
and a young writer, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg uh, on the show. I love the Ali G show. Yeah. I, I, I saw the Ali G uh, over in the UK and I was like, we're never getting it here. I got the DVDs you know, they're PAL. <laughs> I got to play them on a special DVD yep. player. And when it came over here, I'm like, I don't think this is going to work because I was thinking about the character Ali G, who's very specific yes. kind of British wanna street wannabe, you know, and black culture in England is very based in, in the Caribbean. And I, it's, I didn't, I'm not sure if people are going to relate to it. And, but then between Bruno and Borat and just idiots are always funny. So it, it was way better. Bruno and Borat got way better once it, came stateside i think just going to rodeos and all our stupid fashion shows oh it's great i still sing throw the jew down the well every hanukkah (laughs) (laughs) it's okay i'm jewish everyone um and then the the day and so is he by the way so true uh i think he's usually speaking yiddish when he's borat right yeah he throws there's some yiddish there's some hebrew there's some polish there's a lot of shit in there every now and then a word will jump out i'm like oh damn I find it hard to believe we are 20 years into real time with Bill Maher that I don't want to talk too much about just because Bill Maher is very much to me like my cranky old grandpa live long enough to become <laughs> the villain kind of situation. A guy who was just really good at like cutting through the bullshit, man, and like saying uncensored, unpopular things politically and asking pretty tough questions in addition to being, you know, a joke guy. And I don't have anything else I hate watch right now other than his show now, because it is a constant parade of complaining about woke and cancel culture. And I'm like, dude, I read all the news this week. Where did you get this? Twitter? Stay off Twitter if you don't like this. Like, what are you complaining? Nobody's talking about this, Bill. Relax. Relax. Uh, it's, it's become embarrassing. Uh, and I just wanted to say that. But I, I also wanted to say Oz. Oz ends. Oh. And uh, which, which damn, that was a good show. We credit where it's due to the Sopranos for like the HBO renaissance. But I was looking into it. In terms of HBO pro- original programming, there is more HBO original programming on the air right now than had existed up to the point where Oz debuted. Oz, Oz is the first drama... HBO ever made that went over like 12 episodes and, <laughs> and it really fucking went for it. If you saw it, it is a prison drama oh, set. Yes. Yes. And they this went is, for it. And we just talked about uh, a homicide life on the street, which is Tom Fontana came mm, off of. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, you want gritty? Yeah, I can go on HBO where, Oh, you can swear. You can show butts. <laughs> oh, let's see about that. This is the most depressing television show I've ever watched. <laughs> it is no, anytime things are looking up for any character, yep. like they build it up over a couple of episodes, something good could happen. They snatch that away and they're beaten and raped. Oh, we're gonna feed mm-hmm. him powdered glass until he dies from the inside. Uh, it, like, yeah, weirdly, it has a lot in common with Game of Thrones. It is an uncivilized yeah. society where mm-hmm. your favorite character could die any moment. And like the main characters do, like most of the main characters in the first season are dead by the time the season is over. And it just, the cast swells. It is, su- if you're a Law and Order fan, 
You, there should be a bingo <laughs> card, like for for the cast members. You'd see, you'll see from those other Fontana shows. Oh, dude! Anytime you see Christopher Maloney and J.K. Simmons together, possibly making out, possibly killing someone, possibly sexually assaulting each other, possibly having sex. Going, Christopher Maloney no! is is the first person I ever saw on a scripted production with piss coming out of his dick. Like, there's just a scene where he's in the hole and he just pisses in a bucket and like. Yeah, I've never seen that happen on television before. I've never seen the stream come from the thing itself. You can see him naked a lot. And you can see Luke yeah. Perry naked. I would just mm-hmm. applaud him for doing that. Was he he was murdered by being built into a basement wall? Um Right. Yeah, they yeah. cask of Amontillado'd him. And yeah. the, the, the Oz ends this <laughs> week and it is it is whole it has gone so off the rails and it has ends so silly and Shakespearean. It, it is hilarious. I kind of want to look up what happened because the series starts. I only watched like the first two seasons. And they're, and they're like, great. Nope. But it starts with, here's our point of view character. It's an average middle-aged man who killed someone while driving Bias Beecher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The I love you man guy from Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, what would, he's not a hardened criminal. Uh, he obviously is guilty. What would he do in this horrible horrible situation and i kind of want to find out what happens to him but i'm not going to watch the rest of the series to do it i just remember he falls in love with christopher maloney's character and mm-hmm. there's like a riot or a scuffle ensuing on the second story and he throws himself off as if it's more than seven feet and as if the prisoners are made of lava and then he just dies. I'm like, what? wow, what? why? It, it, it Oz got really silly. It's budget got slashed like a, cause the cast was huge, huge yeah. cast, New York production. And it paved the way for the prestige television. We know and love on HBO, which I think still does it better than damn near anybody else. Uh, despite certain corporate acquisitions, uh, a- HBO shows are better than Netflix shows are better than, Paramount Plus shows are better than Peacock shows. They still are to this day. Um, And Oz is a huge, a huge gamble on that. Like an hour long drama, completely uncensored. Like uh, it, it was kind of a headline generator. Like if you caught one episode, like I've never seen anything like this before. This is brutal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I think after, after somewhere in the third season, I stopped thinking, thinking of it as a drama and kind of like what I did with ER, which I called the dork- torture, the doctor's comedy hour. <laughs> I just thought about these basically as characters in the hands of an angry God and the, ca- and the God, which is the writers in this case, uh, just coming up with ways to torture people. And can they surprise me with how they torture these poor characters? Yeah. Oh yes, they can very much. So yeah. I remember Beecher like uh, knocked that guy out with a bench and then shit in his face. Uh, like <laughs> there's, and it, it, it to, I think uh, it introduced what would become a bunch of lost cast members um, eventually, including mm-hmm. the narrator Harold Pernum and uh, Adebisi's name, who I will not pronounce because it's hard. <laughs> but uh, uh, J.K. Simmons, it's the first time I've ever seen him, and he is a Nazi and cold, and it's Oof. truly one of the greatest villains. And I'm pretty sure this is the role that made him famous. Edie Falco. Uh, I think I love that she. They said she had to go to dialect training to lose her New Jersey accent just to gain it back uh, for The Sopranos two years later. And uh, Oz, it is over, and I don't hear a lot of people talking about it because I don't know how fun it is to revisit. But it definitely, 
it, it definitely paved the way for what HBO is today. Like just truly, truly like crossing so many lines in, in terms of American scripted television. Video games of 2003, February 17th of the 23rd. Dark Cloud 2 on PS2. Second time is not a charm. This is it for Dark Cloud, I believe. But this is supposed to be Sony Zelda-like. Uh, it didn't pan out that way. Um, and then Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne on PS2. I'm not talking about Shin Megami Tensei games. I just am not qualified. Not qualified. Let's close out of 2003 with a little Evanescence, for real this time. Wake me up. <laughs> Bring me to life off of the Daredevil soundtrack. But don't move, we got one more segment in the barrel. We gotta talk about the rock, so don't go anywhere. Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans to take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars with a Big Giant Question Mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. There was no internet in 1980. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I, I wanted yeah. to find people's reactions to Empire Strikes Back because... Yeah, it's the it's the twist, man. W- what was it? What was it when people walk out of theater? How were people talking about this? And it's... One, it's really weird. The only cool record we have of this is Starlog Magazine allowed people to write in. And you can find those on archive.org. And that remains the closest thing we have to a comment thread about Empire Strikes Back when it comes out. But what we did have was wonderful, wonderful news stories. They have audience reactions of people coming out of the theater. Although the critics are disappointed, consumers looking for an escape into fantasy this summer will have the last word. Left me confused. <laughs> Didn't understand any of it. Special effects were tremendous. Really enjoyed it. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't like the ending. It could have been a better ending. Get fucked, lady. <laughs> Oh, that's Sick of Star Wars, available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time to see if there's anything worth a watch. And for the week of February 17th through 23rd, let's just start with the happy birthday NASCAR. Uh, I believe it's NASCAR's 75th anniversary this week. Yeah, I saw a bunch of stuff promoting the Daytona 500 while I was watching the Super Bowl. And they were talking about, like, NASCAR's anniversary. And I was like, I already knew that because research and stuff. Yeah, what? I don't really care about NASCAR. Um, I appreciate their history, though. Moonshine it. Anyway, let's talk about the real movies I want to talk about. 40 years ago this week, we saw the release of two classics. Let's start with a tiny Scottish film that nobody liked by Bill Forsythe uh, called Local Hero, starring Peter Regert, Dennis Lawson, uh, Fulton McKay, and Burt freaking Lancaster. I've never really understood how they actually got him to be in this movie because it's, it's such a teeny tiny movie about... An American oil company executive who has to like go to this 
teeny tiny Scottish town, and there's eccentric ass people everywhere. I saw it come up a lot when uh, Northern Exposure premiered. People were like, this is great. This is like Local Hero, the, the, the show. And then everyone went, what's Local Hero? And then they went and saw it. It's really one of those kind of movies. You watch it, and then you're like, why is no one talking about this? This this movie is charming and adorable, and it's fun characters, and I love it. Local Hero, check it out, turning 40 this week. And then, very opposite, also turning 40 this week is, yes, Martin Scorsese's The King of Comedy, starring Robert De Niro, Jerry Lewis, Sandra Bernhardt. We have a whole 80s in depth about this. Uh, they put up the Scorsese signal, and I showed up because... I can't think of a Scorsese movie or almost any movie that has like general opinion of it has changed over the years. This was a massive bomb in 1982 because it's a media satire. I think it might've just been ahead of its time because now 40 years later, when we have so much television, we have the internet and so much stuff, people's yearning for fame will always be relevant. And King of Comedy nails us, but total schmuck who wants to be on late night television as a stand-up, So he kidnaps the host. Um, and uh, it goes well with Taxi Driver. Um, Joker with Joaquin Phoenix is pretty much just a remake with some Batman shit in it. And I don't care for it because of that, because I have seen King of Comedy so many times and I think it still fucking nails it. So, yep, those are my recommendations, both from 83. Actually, I think they're both technically holdovers from 82. Local Hero, King of Comedy. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming to 2013 with Inhaler by Foles off of Holy Fire. I'm going to guess that album is out this week, Diana, right? Last uh, week. Last week. Sorry. <laughs> Making up for it. Stupid Sorry, Groundhog Day jokes. Uh, welcome to 2013, our final segment of 30 2010. Ten years ago, uh, February 17th to the 23rd, when these albums came out, Push the Sky Away by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, uh, When It Was Now by Atlas Genius, Confessions by Buck Cherry, the self-titled album by Zarface, Donkey Punch the Night by Pussifier. Uh, <laughs> Eyes Like the Sky by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And of course, Thrift Shop by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis featuring Wayne's is still number one. A uh, little bit of news to remind you what was going on in the world in 2013. Estonia becomes the first country to establish a national system of fast chargers for electric cars. I thought Elon Musk invented that. Because he no, makes he hasn't like invented he shit. I know. He purchases his inventions. It's a... It's a Wonderful trick I hope to try someday. I invented bubble tape. I, I meant I bought bubble tape. Sorry. Like, <laughs> good on Estonia. I yearn one day to have an electric car, but I also don't love the idea of filling up my tank for 20 to 40 minutes. Uh, it'll only get better, though. Movies of 2013. Identity Thief moves back to number one at the box office because everyone heard A Good Day to Die Hard sucks. Yeah, like we told you yep. last week. How the fuck did Literally, a Die Hard movie whatever. get knocked out by a middling comedy from Jason Bateman and uh, Melissa McCarthy? But it happened. It happened. Bruce Willis, movie star status being stripped. I don't know. Uh, also out this week, Castillo Guerrera, Dolores Herdia, uh, Benito Martinez, and Miriam Colon, uh, Bless Me Ultima is out. Yeah, so this, you've probably heard of the, book because it does get assigned in schools a lot now because they're trying to you know branch out with literature because this is kind of a 
classic of, of modern Chicano literature, even this, you know, from the 70s. And a lot like cuts and generals, the film exists because of a billionaire. Hey. One of the Walton heirs loved this book so much that she paid to make an adaptation of it, wow. written and directed by Carl Franklin, who I think is a massively underrated director. I'm wondering if he did any episodes of Oz because he did do stuff like that. But <laughs> Devil in a Blue Dress uh, and One False Move, those freaking roll. Uh, it seems like it didn't get released very much, but got pretty good reviews from critics. I know everyone I've ever read, everyone I know who's read the book says it, it is fantastic because it's like a coming of age story in New Mexico in the 40s. And, you know, this kid is being pulled, you know, in the direction of all the different cultural pulls, pushes and pulls, Catholicism, white society, traditional religions, Latino society. Uh, yeah, bless me, Ultima. Uh, sounds really good. And I did not know that Carl Franklin made a movie of it. And I want to find it, but it's kind of hard to find. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and I uh, thought it couldn't get more obscure than that. Dakota Goyo, Josh Hamilton, Carrie Russell in Dark Skies. What a you it's a right it's a perfect time for a UFO movie with uh not Kurt Russell, Carrie Russell in this dark movie, Dark Skies. <laughs> You're right. So, we have Dark Blue with Kurt Russell and Dark Skies with Carrie Russell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I I do really like the idea of movies treating the extraterrestrial question seriously because this isn't a bang up action film. But mm -hmm. so two possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the universe mm -hmm. or we are not alone in the universe. Mm -hmm. And both possibilities are scary as fuck. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Either of those options are like mind-boggling, terrifying to me. If we are alone in the entire universe, we're it. We're it. That's it. We're the, we're the only thinkings in the entire universe. Oh, my God. That's so much pressure. I mean, that is like even more pressure than don't go extinct. It's like, you're the only mind. You've got so much to do. The go to the entire universe. All of it, because you're it. The universe will have water slides without us. No. It is terrifying. Or we are not alone in the universe. Holy fucking shit. Do you know what <laughs> happens when a slightly more evolved type of humans makes a slightly less evolved type of humans? War. We've, we've genocided. Uh, we've exterminated seven of our homo genius, of our fellow homos. Easy, we've buddy. killed them all. <laughs> what the heck? If if there's more intelligent stuff than us out there, you know, there's a name for us. It's lunch. <laughs> See, I'm I'm inclined to believe the latter, just because mm -hmm. for the longest time, our stupid human brains, like, there's aliens out there. How do you know? Because I saw a flying saucer. Oh, so they drove here. In a little metal box that looked just like your car. No, we're like look at look at the drones. The, the drone technology has improved. They can look at us and see what we're doing without having to drive here or implant yeah. some. They, but but there's no reason to interfere with us. We've seen enough Star Trek to know about a the Prime Directive yeah. and b we probably have to reach some echelon to where we're worth talking to. We don't have any resources that they that, exactly. that they need. Yeah. That's what I think. I think that there's probably plenty of alien species. They're so far out there. Yeah. Some of them might be intelligent, and the intelligent ones probably don't give half a fuck about us. Yeah. It's, uh, see, I, I feel like we'd be able to, if intelligent life were common, the universe is old enough that there would be some structures out there where it's like, well, clearly that's a Dyson sphere. Clearly mm -hmm. that's uh, uh, not made by nature. 
you know, yeah. and we so, just don't see anything like I that. Kind of, I kind of figure all. radio signals, that kind of thing. We'd, we'd pick up noise, something that travels as opposed yeah. to seeing a picture. I don't think aliens would come from super far away just to fuck with one particular family. Yeah, to probe some redneck's anus. Yeah, no, well, that's what Dark Skies is about. It's no. it's about they're here to bother these two particular children, apparently. Ah. <laughs> and, it, you know, all that weird, scary stuff, haunty type stuff happens in the house. And it seems like it's a haunting movie. This is just from the description. I didn't actually watch it. I'm sorry. But a bunch of haunty stuff starts happening. And then it turns out, oh, no, it's it's aliens who basically tag this kid and they're coming back for him. And then the whole family freaks out. So it's like science. Yeah, but trying to be scarier the reviews were all just sort of like eh. nah. yeah yeah it's fine if that's what you're into okay oh boy did i watch a man movie on amazon prime it's the biggest release this week and everyone seems like they're in the wrong movie uh <laughs> barry pepper benjamin bratt michael k williams john barenthal susan sarandon and Dwayne the rock johnson in snitch I'm not a drug dealer, Dad. Jason is facing 10 years in prison. 10 years? We need your son to help us make arrests before we can help him reduce his sentence. What if I did it for him? What if I helped you make arrests? How far would you go to save your son? What happens when everyone finds out you're an informant? Every move that I make, Jason will have to live with for the next 10 years of his life. And what if you don't live? You just gotta trust me. Snitch, baby. Fuck this movie. <laughs> it's it's a I, this was better than I expected, but yeah. it was very interesting. Yeah, because it's it's based on I don't know if this is based on a real story or like but whatever. It's there was an incident in my hometown that made national news because of a not very talked about practice of arresting, let's say, like, you know poor young people on bullshit marijuana charges and then forcing them to go into like a CI position. And then it happened in my hometown to this mm -hmm. like 18 year old girl where she's like, they try and turn her into an informant and bring down the drugging. And she was murdered like this, this like total rando. And I it made national news and like, okay, the police cannot fucking do this anymore. There has to be, there has to be certain limits on this. This, this was not a well-suited job for this person. And that's how this whole movie, like, kicks up Dwayne the Rock Johnson's son gets nabbed for receiving drugs in the mail uh, oh no it's a federal offense 10 years what the fuck let the, it's college kid with ecstasy let him well, go yeah well that's the idea the whole movie is an argument against mandatory minimum sentencing yeah and it, and it I thought it actually makes a pretty decent argument saying it's like yeah what they do is they man they threaten you with the mandatory minimum sentence is like 10 years for just having the drugs that someone sent you and you only can get that reduced by turning on someone else. But the kid doesn't know anyone else except for the guy who sent him the drugs who they already have because they flipped him already. So yeah. he has no one to give them. And so it's so Dwayne Johnson decides, well, I'll go get you some drug dealers. How about that? And, and drag poor Jay Barenthal into all this. Yeah. And what he does is so fucking immoral and illegal and stupid yep. at first then it gets better but yeah he's like hey jay Parenthal, you seem to know something about drugs could you hook me up with drug dealers and he's like fuck that i'm on probation what yeah. the fuck i'm on, I'm on my third I'm strike man don't make me do that 
Yeah, and then then I love that he Dwayne Johnson just like drives downtown to look for a drug dealer. Like, hey, <laughs> could I buy some drugs? It is silly, and, and I, I hope it, I hope it never fucking happened in real life. Because if it did, it should be fucking it does illegal. all the time. But but no, uh, the, 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 the father of the son like having to go deep undercover so a district attorney can get elected. Like, nah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that I mean, all that was pretty silly. But it's like once it actually gets going with has like, some hey, action. a professional person will help set up this thing for you <laughs> yes okay like that is all right i mean i appreciate that it's dwayne johnson's playing like an everyman which we do not see very much no it's a very it, un it, I, I thought him and susan sarandon like i don't like you guys in this movie Jay, john barenthal and michael k williams you're cool barry pepper you're cool yeah, but it's like, yeah, he's he's more of an understated everyman. I love that he's got like a, a messy divorce and the ex-wife problems and stuff like that. But it does sort of remind me of when like Schwarzenegger would play like, I just walk out to business. Oh, no. <laughs> I just want to run my coffee shop in peace. Yeah, it's like, honey, what? Please, what? But yeah, but then it's it's so fucking immoral what he does to John Bernthal of like, hey, yeah. can you get involved in the drug trade again for me? And you're taking all this risk and you don't even know why I'm doing this. You think you're part of a real drug deal? Yes. Now you're going to get murdered. You're going to get so a thousand murdered. He's going to get murdered. And uh, yeah, yeah. And and, and then, then he reveals like, hey, yeah, I'm a, you know, He's like, cool. Like, what? I would be so fucking pissed. <laughs> like, yeah, like, how did you know? If you tell me we are doing this as a sting operation, okay, that's a little different. But it doesn't tell him. They're just off literally breaking the law so that hopefully when they get picked up, he can call Susan Sarandon and be like, no, 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 I wasn't really buying drugs. So The Rock can make a citizen's arrest on the cartel. It's just very silly. Like, how, how, why don't they pick you up? Because you are transporting drugs and they could say you were doing it for money to pay for your son's defense attorneys. There you go. And now you're fucked. Like, yeah, there's a lot of, and it's allegedly based on a true story, blah, 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 blah. even though it's, yes, that's a lot of stupid. It was kind of watchable. It's, it has some good, good stunts and, uh, it's kind of a thriller. And, it's got a couple action yeah, scenes. Yeah, good shootouts. Yeah. Dwayne, Dwayne. It's, good like a, it's not a, a bad B movie. Guy. But, yeah. It's a B movie. Um, yeah. Snitch. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, snitch. snitch. Um, I feel like there's way too much Harry Potter references. And I don't want to go anywhere near that brand right now. Um, <laughs> and uh, television, 2013, February 17th to the 23rd, Peter Rabbit debuts on Nickelodeon, a character I feel like, is this an alternate reality? Does everybody know who this is? Why does James Corden well, play yeah. him sometimes? Yeah. Peter Rabbit is, you know, semi-famous. Right? I think more but... famous in England. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, it debuts yeah, on Nick the classic, Jr. Man. Come on. Nick Jr. And we also have a show saying goodbye. Been on the air for uh, nine years. Uh, CSI New York. I think that had Gary Sinise no, in it. Yeah. It ends on CBS to make room for more NCIS spinoffs. I don't know. Like, I don't watch that fucking channel. I've never seen CSI New York. Um, but yeah, long... But, Made its syndication number, so hopefully it's still out there on some Hallmark off-brand channel. And then the Parks and Rec episode, Leslie and Ben. Uh, this is when Leslie and Ben make their relationship public. Ah. Um, it's got some very funny scenes in it, and uh, it's, it's just moving that relationship down to its inevitable conclusion. Marriage. Love, love. Murder. 
Uh, <laughs> yes. And then a lot of cool video games to talk about, or a couple of cool video games to talk about in 2013. Ten years ago, February 17th to the 23rd, Crisis 3. Is this, I think this is kind of the end of the Crisis series. There might have been one more, like, uh, spinning off you, but it got no numeric sequels after that. If you don't remember, Crisis was the benchmarky, you need a fucking beefy PC to do any of this. And then EA bought it and put it on every system, and it just kind of lost its identity slowly over time. It, this is supposed to be a game for like hardcore tech PC gamers, so they could run it. Not, it's not. I don't know that it can hold like a mass audience appeal. But here we, here we are. Thank you, EA. March of the Eagles is out on PC, but oh, no, go this ahead, is Jeremy. Paradox's worst game. Whoa. It is an attempt to simulate the Napoleonic Wars, which is an epic era. There is so much grandeur, so much strategy, people switching sides, the personal matters. People the taking their gloves off matters. and slapping people. Yeah. I don't know. And they just, they failed it. It was, it was not a good game. Really? Nope. Really? Is, was this supposed to be like the launching? This was going to be another Hearts of Iron mm. or uh, EU4. And I um, will pretend I know what that is. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is out on PS360, uh, eventually PC, but just a great platinum, uh, version of a Metal Gear game starring the redemption of Metal Gear Solid 2's Raiden, but just a really fucking batshit nuts, uh, combat game, um, featuring a, a, a character who was called a wiener in the second game, now turned into a badass cyborg ninja. Uh, very, very interesting. It's always worth picking up and replaying. And I've never, I say that having never finished it. Uh, and then we have o old school runescape. Is that like the actual title of the game for? Yeah, that's the actual Mac title PC. of the game. Wow. It's, it's bringing runescape back and it is still popular today. Uh, the, this is the last time runescape was remade, but, uh, wow. people just love that game. 10 years ago, 10 years on the remake. All right. Well. We're going to uh, give you some plugs real quick, but don't move because we're going to tell you who died and do a little quiz you can play along with about who lived during this period of 302010. Uh, support us at patreon.com slash laser time. Hey, you want to hear more about King of Comedy? Diana mentioned in Classic Corner. Well, we got her. We nailed her down and made her talk about a Scorsese movie. It was difficult. And uh, <laughs> along with the uh, 80s in depth, we got some bu a bunch of stuff about Superman on there, Video Game Apocalypse stuff, Sick of Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Megasode, if you haven't heard that yet. Uh, five bucks is all we ask of you. Uh, whatever, if you can spare it, we, we really, really would appreciate it. Times are tough out there. God damn, Joe Biden's America making making me pay more for my eggs, my precious eggs. Uh, <laughs> it's Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime, and maybe we'll talk about Oscars. I don't know. I don't know. We're still talking about it. Um, but uh, die. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at ListenerNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast at 302010podcast. Coming up next week, let's see, we have um, a movie we should sue because Ooh. they said it was The Last Exorcism, and then there's a part two, and that's some <laughs> bullshit. I'm a Final Fantasy um, fan. I can hang. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a fairy tale action movie your dad's we favorite fairy that. tale your republican dad's greatest fairy tale um, yeah well speaking of dad's republican dad's fairy tale michael douglas is going to get really pissed off about the cost of this burger and he <laughs> doesn't wanted... look like the picture 
He wanted breakfast, but breakfast ended two minutes ago, and he's going to get so pissy. Oh, that's going to be fun to reevaluate. It's hilarious. Also, Mm -hmm. Disney goes bonkers. Totally nuts. Seinfeld misses out on two real and spectacular things. (laughs) (laughs) The most famous Star Wars flight sim of all time. Hmm. Indiana Jones explores a tomb. Okay. And finally, a high school for clones ends. Oh, I wasn't going to bring oh. it up, Jr. Can't talk about it anymore. Not until the, the, the series gets rebooted, which they promised. Not until the Christmas special, because oh. this doesn't count. Oh, okay. <laughs> good, 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 good. Uh, well, with that out of the way, Diana, who died during this period of 30, 2010, uh, February 17th to the 20th, 23rd across three decades? Oof. Well, in 1993 is when we lost Harvey Kurtzman, who's only 68. He was... Oh, so close. Uh, founding editor of Mad Magazine. Hell yeah. That's kind of a thing. It's awesome. Just to get around the comics code, had to make a magazine out of his filthy comics. Yep. Yeah, I didn't realize he also did Little Annie Fanny for Playboy. Mm-hmm. That makes sense now. Uh, in 2003, we lost Johnny Paycheck, who is 64. Take this job and shove it. Come on. Mm. Great early, uh, you know, redneck 70s trucker country music stuff yeah, man. and then uh, in 2013 is when we lost mindy mccready who's only 37 um she was also a country singer with a long history of substance abuse oh. and physical abuse problems oh. another victim of celebrity rehab with dr drew she took her own life god that guy had a huge failure rate oh he really did and with that out of the way jr what do we got going on it's time for the birthday quiz. Give me birthdays. Born. Born. February 20th, 1925, 20? in Kansas City, Missouri. Died at the age of 73. He had a Catholic upbringing, but described himself as a sort of Catholic. He graduated from a military academy in 1943, joining World War II. He was a co-pilot on 50 bombing missions in a B-24 Liberator. I think I know. Maybe. You do? No, no, it's not Jimmy Stewart, right? No, it is not. Mm. Uh, He was discharged in 1947, moved to California, Worked for a company that invented a tattooing machine to identify dogs what? before entering filmmaking on a whim, hmm. selling a picture to RKO in 1948 called Bodyguard. Oh, if Diana hmm. doesn't get this. Uh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll try to name movies of his we've talked about, but it's going to get pretty easy pretty quick. Dr. T and the Women, Cookie's Fortune, The Robert Gingerbread Oldman. Man. Yes. Yeah. Robert Oldman. And then Kansas City, The Player, the player. and Gosford yeah. Port, Park. Park. Gosford uh, Park is the porn version. <laughs> no, the it's, 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 the, ma- it's the spider. It's different actors in it. It's the spider ham <laughs> version. It's totally PG. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, classic. Corner films, which we've never mainly talked about on the show, but have probably been mentioned, include Mash, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, The Long Goodbye, yeah. Nashville. Oh yeah, yeah, and Shortcuts is coming up. Shortcuts, oh boy, very own companion, Popeye. 
<laughs> yeah. Popeye movie. Always, always with Popeye with you. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> I am what I am, and that's all that I Have am. Have you fucking watched Nashville? Have you? He's mean, he's mean, you know what I mean. He's that's mean, got he's songs mean. in it. I, I, Does that make you feel I think better? I've seen Nashville. No, I'm, I'm going through my Oatmans. I gotta, gotta get to, yeah. Trying. I'm trying, Diana. It's Oscar season, and this show is a lot of watching. You know that. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> but, uh, happy <laughs> birthday, funny. Robert Altman. Takes so long to see anything, because I have homework to do. It's yeah. Happy birthday robert altman it's true thank you guys so much yep. for listening we got a I lot told, of i've told my my story about meeting robert altman on the show right tell it again okay um i basically made myself a press pass and i snuck into the independent spirit awards and it was the year <laughs> he was nominated for cookies fortune um i met a bunch of people there i met uh chris cooper i met reese witherspoon wow. and uh robert altman was just sitting there by himself after the show and i walked over and said you know hey how you doing mr altman uh enjoy your films and then he just uh grumbled for a couple minutes about how award shows are bullshit and everything is bullshit and i don't even know why i'm here and i'm like cool well it's nice to meet you sir i didn't ask a single question he just started talking about how awards are bullshit and i was like i'm just i'm happy you backed away you recognized him i don't know that i would be able to recognize robert altman in any era Oh, and, uh, yeah, uh, but, uh, he looked like a big Colonel Sanders by that point. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Love it. More, more Diana uh, press spy stories. Got to hear them. Yeah. Um, stay tuned for those people. Keep listening. Tell a friend about the show. Maybe join our Patreon. patreoncom slash time Support this show, Video Game Apocalypse. Maybe an Oscar time. Maybe another '80s in depth. Maybe another stick of Star Wars. We love you. Thank you so much for your support and your patience. Uh, yes, yeah, so let's close out with a. Naughty by Nature, Hip Hop Hooray. I I feel like Naughty by Nature doesn't get referenced enough when we talk about 90s happy rap, but it was all about getting laid and dancing. I and... did not know that this song was Naughty by Nature. Yeah. I knew them for Me So Horny, and I thought they had like one or two big songs. I did not realize Hip Hop Hooray was they Naughty o- by Nature. OPP? I am a fool, because this is a classic. Yeah, they're OPP, right? Aren't they... Who's down with OPP? Yes, yes. Um, They're down with OPP. Naughty by Nature. It had a cool logo and everything. I'd wear it on a shirt. Uh, we'll close out with Hip Hop Hooray. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. I live in time for hip hop.